Welcome to the Tuesday quarterback edition of the Gridiron Podcast. I'm your host and commissioner, Huck Breeze, here to review an always exciting week one in the Gridiron Fantasy League. What we have all been anticipating for months has finally come and gone. The first Sunday of the year, it went pretty much as most of us expected as far as gambling is concerned, except for a few interesting outliers. Every Colts player, Roto World blurb, will remind you that Philip Rivers had two boneheaded interceptions to hand a victory over to a Jaguars team that was thought to be tanking for Trevor. And football teams, new uniforms, were too much for Carson Wentz, who devolved into a QB3 during the second half of the game, turning the ball over three times and giving Eagles fans flashbacks of the Kevin Cobb days. We saw fantasy scores increase across the board from week one last year, and it could be because of the obvious, which is the receiving point increase, but also could be due to the decent offensive QB play from around the league. The two lowest QB pointage from the around the league was someone who was started questionably in the first place, Tyrod Taylor with 9.1. The only other quarterback who was started to score below 10 was Carson Wentz with 9.7. If you, like me, consider anything above 20 points genuinely acceptable, if not generally positive, you'll be happy to hear that 15 quarterbacks surpassed that mark in week one. Running backs, however, were not so positive in week one, including my own, as many cute running backs shared time or were stifled and did not meet their projections. Running backs that started in the gridiron and did not reach the 10-point mark, which is generally considered the bar for starting running backs, included Fournette, Breida, Akers, Chubb, Boston Scott, Joe Mixon, Marlon Mack, Singletary, and Austin Eckler. Four of those running backs belong to just two owners in our league, yours truly, and the Poopy too. All right, let's try to be more positive here with this week's rendition of Kudos for Karma. This week, we will go from the least amount of points scored in week one on up, so that losers can inevitably listen to something nice that's said about their garbage fire team and stop the tape. Now, you also have to understand I was doing this on Monday Night Football, and there were a lot of things that changed over the course of those games. So the order might be off just a bit. But let's start with Darth Scott. Kudos to Darth Scott. Losing is never fun, and getting last in points is even worse. But you take it in stride and are hungry for next week. Derek Carr looked like a very serviceable QB2 this week, and the pickup of Biddy Snell Jr. a few weeks in advance gives you some very strong options at RB2. Also, 
Steelers won. So kudos to Darth Scott. Kudos to Dad? Aaron Rodgers looked like a man on a mission, throwing four TDs on his way to torching the interdivision Vikings. He threw all four to wide receivers after an entire offseason of critics demonizing the front office for not drafting a wide receiver in the first round. Your RB2 for week one, Marlon Mack, had his Achilles explode into flames shortly into the game on Sunday. But sometimes blessings come in disguise. This opens up all kinds of usage for a far more talented back, Jonathan Taylor, who just so happens to also be on your team. So kudos to dad. Kudos to the poopy too. I honestly thought that the win was yours. Your Lamar connection with Mark Andrews might be the most potent QB tight end connection in the league, as it looks like they haven't missed a beat from last season. You had a quick trigger finger on Naheem Hines, who very well could be this year's version of Austin Eckler, looking like a solid safety blanket on third downs, but it's not limited to just that, as he managed to carve out seven carries for 28 yards in a TD. So kudos to Poopy too. Kudos to Eternal Touchdown. You went against the grain at the draft, investing heavily in wide receivers early on, and it sure did pay off for you in week one. 47 points collectively between all your wide receivers, and they didn't even reach Pater. Having so many QBs can be a blessing and a curse, and this week it was a curse. But I'm sure once it's bye week season, the blessings will come camouflaged in trade offer notifications. So kudos to Eternal Touchdown. Kudos to Camacho. If Josh Allen didn't fumble twice, he very well could have been the QB1 in week one. The Bills played a Jets defense that lost half their starters to opt-out, injury, or trade, and Josh Allen took advantage. You still won this week despite the boner fest in Washington starring Wentz and Saquon running against what looked like could be the number one rush defense in the NFL. Remind me not to play any running backs that play the Steelers. Anyway, there will be better weeks ahead for both these guys. So kudos to Camacho. Kudos to Ulysses S. Grant. Losing your D1 is never fun, but there were so many bright spots on your team this week. Your running backs both looked dominant on Thursday, and your QBs were as advertised. For you to lose, you had to have extremely below-average play from your wide receivers, tight end, and defense. And unfortunately, that's what happened. The good news is Mitchell Trubisky scored more points than Mahomes. So, of course, you can dangle him over any team with bad QB play for way more than he's worth. I see a lopsided trade in your immediate future. So, kudos to Ulysses S. Grant. Kudos to Suck My Vic. Heartbreak only makes you stronger. With existent RB2 play, you could have taken this one in a breeze. Josh Jacobs is RB1 after week one and probably won't waver far from there, if at all, the rest of the season. All four wide receivers you own scored in double digits, and that's good. One last thing. Your team has revealed itself to have obvious strengths and weaknesses, which gives you a solid blueprint for what needs to be done going forward. So kudos to Suck My Vic. Kudos to Fupa Slayer. You've taken so much shit from everyone since the draft regard, regarding your QBs and wide receiver. And although some of them proved everyone right, Slayton and Bridgewater said 
Not so fast, my friend. Slayton, in particular, put himself on everyone's radar with his Monday night performance and really did look like a solid wide receiver, too. With a little TLC, this has the look of a playoff team. So kudos to Fuqua Slayer. Kudos to Rumham. A tight end that I had as a fringe tight end one, Noah Fant, looked like he belongs in the same breadth as Ertz and Andrews. You making Jaguars moves gives you solid depth and trade ammo from what looks like a running back two vacancy you might need to fill with James Conner. Although Coach Tomlin is leaving the light on for him, whatever the fuck that means. Kudos to Rumham. Kudos to Disco Lemonade. Losing is never fun, but you did outscore all but three Gridiron League members, so let's just chalk this up to bad luck, shall we? Kyler Murray, your number one pick, came out and had a run that makes you look around the room and give the, did you just see that face? Always good to have a number one pick play like, well, a number one pick. And Gardner Minshew is out to prove that he belongs in the NFL as a starter for an extended period, defining efficiency by going 19 for 20 and scoring three TDs through the air. I know you love that. So kudos to Disco Lemonade. Kudos to Unicycle Polar Bears. Kirk Cousins probably had you worried in the first half of the Packers game as we saw him come out of the gate extremely slow. But he recovered very nicely, scoring 25 points on a few stealing bombs. The real bright spot for your team was that wide receiver as they combined to put up 57 points, which was good for second in our league at that position. They carried you to victory. Doesn't winning feel good? Kudos to Unicycle Polar Bears. Kudos to Maestro. You were set up for a real return to reality after the preseason love fest, but the plan unfolded perfectly. The Seahawks let Russ cook, and it just so happened that he used Chris Carson as his main ingredient. When your QB hits your running back twice for touchdowns, especially with these increased receiving yards, that's amore. There's much more secret sauce that went into this win, I'll admit. But we will stop the praise there. I don't want to overwhelm you and everyone else in the league with maestro endearment. So kudos to maestro. Kudos to Notorious. This week could not have gone better for you. Devontae Adams and C-Mac are both making week one bids for being the best at their position and a free agent pickup I teased you personally about went for 80-plus yards and two TDs. He definitely took me to Browntown Sunday night. Your DBs were exquisite, with Buddha covering up Kittle like a blanket and eventually laying a legal hit that knocked him out of the game. That paired with the rookie, C.J. Anderson, who is trying to make Jaguar say, Jalen who? Made your DBs so fine. The two players you received in the Mahomes trade, Christian McCaffrey, Matt Stafford, scored 46 points compared to the two that I received, Mahomes and Kareem Hunt, scored 38. So far, I feel bamboozled by that trade. So kudos to Notorious. Now I want to get in some news and notes from around our fantasy league and the NFL. Scott Shedding is now at 10 moves 
which on a normal year would be an alarming pace. We gave everybody five extra moves at the beginning of the year to adjust to COVID-19, but so far the pandemic has yet to significantly impede on week-to-week -week entry reports. We criticize him for being so generous with his moves, but it is yet to be seen who will be the last one laughing. Moves are designated to individuals to be spent, and being eliminated in December with moves left over may only produce questions on what could have been if maybe, just maybe, you picked up the Demarcus Robinson. There was a slight tinge of frustration on Sunday that was sparked by O.J. Howard scampering wide open in the end zone for an easy TD to match on his grand total of 2019, which was one. As a sixth-round pick last year, he was probably the biggest letdown at that position, but seemed to excel more on Sunday when overshadowed by Rob Gronkowski. As annoying as it may seem, it's storylines like this that persuade me to consider having a two-tight end league. Along with Howard, six other tight ends that weren't started in our league were free agents, reached promise line in week one, and six out of seven cleared the 10-point mark. Before I let you go, I want to talk about the pride of the AFC North, the Browns. Two years in a row, we have hyped this team up before week one. First-round picks at every skill position. Chubb, first-round. Beckham, first-round. Mayfield, first-round. And Joku, first-round. After an un underwhelming year in 2019, a year where Baker Mayfield averaged a robust 16 points a week, he came out in week one and dropped 10.75 on us. He looked lost, flustered, and generally frustrated. I'll admit that prior to the season, he was one of my prime bounce-back candidates, going as far as to trade up in the second round to select him. Fortunately, that trade was nixed as part of my Mahomes deal, but at the time, I was pretty devastated. When analyzing players long-term from a standpoint of a fantasy manager, there's usually a breaking point in which you say, I'll never own that guy, for multiple reasons. For me, Baker, as well as the rest of the Brown starting crew, is fast approaching that point. The Thursday night game will be very telling for Brown's fantasy owners whether they are holding fantasy gems or fantasy limits. That's all for me today, and we will talk again on Thursday with Scott Shedig in our normal time to preview the week ahead and give our locks of the week. See ya! Feeling comfortable, I'm nice in my zone. I got alligator blood and got ice in my bones. Black ski mask like it's winter out. 